In our text today, we'll look at two men. We'll look at two men like this. Two men that have made money their God. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, this first passage, Luke chapter 19. And I'll read verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So it's towards the end of, Jeru- uh, the end of Jesus' ministry, and he and his disciples are actually, they're headed to Jerusalem. And this is the last time they go to Jerusalem. This is on their way. This is Jesus on his way to the cross. But while he's on his way, he continues to minister to those in need. And at the end of chapter 18, right before what we read, he heals a blind man. And the people praise God. So when Jesus enters this city of Jericho, there's an excitement There's a buzz about him. And so news about him spreads quickly. And this is where we're introduced to Zacchaeus. So let me mention a few things about Zacchaeus. In verse 2, it says that he was a chief tax collector and wealthy. Now, when you hear tax collector, you may think uh, the IRS, right, or the Franchise Tax Board. But In this day and time, it was much worse than that. Tax collectors were Jewish citizens who partnered with the Roman government and Roman officials to basically keep the people poor and oppressed. They practiced what was known as tax farming. And tax farming is where you would collect as much money as you could in order to enrich yourself. And so the the tax, like you may owe $100 in taxes, but what these tax collectors would do would write you a bill for $200. And they would pocket the extra money. They would cheat you and charge you more because, remember, they had the Roman authority behind them. They had the military behind them. They had the power to do that. These tax collectors were dishonest and ruthless, And Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. He was chief among them. Today, I think a more accurate comparison than the IRS 
is probably more like, like a drug lord or a crime boss who like owns this territory or this community and ruthlessly preys on the people. So what was obvious was that it says he was a tax, chief tax collector and he was very wealthy. Zacchaeus was a greedy, greedy man. Getting rich was his, maybe his only priority. He victimized his fellow Jews, his fellow citizens, his neighbors. It didn't matter. Right? He did this tax farming on them. He charged them more. He pocketed extra money. And we may not see ourselves like Zacchaeus, but as we try to root out these counterfeit gods, as we try to identify them in our lives and figure out how are these things idols in our lives, we need to be aware of the love of money that can grow inside of us. Tim Keller notes that it's often hard these days for people to see greed in themselves. Like it's hard to see um, that we ourselves may love money too much. We may be greedy. He says, everyone tends to live in a particular socioeconomic bracket. Right? That makes sense. Once you're able to afford living in a particular neighborhood, sending your children to its schools, participating in its social life, Okay, or associating with a certain level of coworker, you will find yourself surrounded by a number of people who have more money who have more money than you do. That's just natural. But this is this is the key. We stop comparing. He says you stop comparing yourself to the rest of the world. And you compare yourself only to those people. And this is how we rationalize our greed and our materialism and our desire for more. That I don't live, I don't live as well as they do. My house or my car or vacations aren't as nice as theirs. And there's just this natural thing, this tendency for us to do this. The frightening thing is that you can reason like this no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how comfortable you might be, that it's never enough. And it's like trying to drive to the horizon. It just, it just keeps going. And you just keep after it. The other thing about um, Zacchaeus that the Bible tells us is that he was short. I think the modern translation would say he was vertically challenged. <laughs> no, there's no modern translation that says that. Right? How many of you remember or know of the old Sunday school song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Right? I hate that song. <laughs> um, that passage, the passage says that he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree. Now, I can relate to that. <laughs> um, 
I've been to rallies and I've been to parades where I have had to be creative or resourceful, and it means climbing a tree or climbing a, a wall. Um, otherwise, you know, the only view I get is like the back of somebody's head or, you know, looking into their back. And you can't, when there's a crowd, right, and people aren't spread out, you can't, you can't see ahead of you. You can't see what's going on. And, uh, and I've had that. I mean, um, uh, one time we were at uh, the Lakers parade. And this is when the Lakers used to be good, okay? Um, and this was a long time ago. And we went to the Lakers parade, and they won the championship. And there's like, and this is when they used to have a rally in front of City Hall. They don't, they don't do that anymore. Um, they had a rally in front of City Hall. And me and my friends went to the parade or to the rally. And there's hundreds of thousands of people. And we have to like hold on to this like monument thing, you know, like this thing that's in front of City Hall that's some kind of memorial or monument and like climb up the monument and hold on to the monument in order to watch the celebration and the parade. And, um, and so maybe like in this case, you know, I'm Zacchaeus and, uh, uh, you know, Jesus would be like Magic Johnson, right? Or somebody like that. Um, but he, he couldn't see, so he ran ahead. He climbed the tree. But what we see is that Zacchaeus was motivated. He was intent on seeing Jesus. And I'm sure he knew. He knew that he would be laughed at. He would be ridiculed. He was already hated. And he climbed a tree which showed how much he wanted to see Jesus how about us? How much do we want to see Jesus? Alexander McLaren, a minister back from the 1800s, said, I wish there were more of us who did not mind being laughed at if only what we did helped us to see Jesus. So Zacchaeus climbs this tree Jesus and his disciples, they come down this path, surrounded by this big crowd. And then to everyone's surprise, Jesus calls Zacchaeus down by name. And he invites himself over to his house. Now to the people there watching, this is scandalous. This is outrageous. It's disgraceful that Jesus, the friend of the poor, the healer of the sick, he would befriend this selfish, cold-hearted tyrant of a man. Of course, they probably didn't understand that Zacchaeus was exactly the type of person that Jesus had come for. Verse 10 in the passage we read says that Jesus came, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost the lost, the hopeless, the wretched. That's, that's us. That Jesus came to seek and to save those who had no hope and no way to him. And after Jesus goes to his house, Zacchaeus' life is changed forever. He renounces his sin and he turns his life over to the Lord. And in this process, he confronts 
the false god in his life. This love of money. See, somewhere along the way, somehow Zacchaeus understands what Jesus taught in Luke 16, 13, where he says, you cannot serve both God and money. So in verse 8, Zacchaeus declares, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, and we know he certainly has, he's cheated many people, he says, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. So I love this, I love this story about Zacchaeus. Okay, not just because the short guy gets saved, okay, although I like that, but because he was a sinner of the worst kind and God changed his heart. But this is in sad contrast to the other man that, that I want us to see in Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, turn then flip with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and I'll read verses 17 through 22. And, and as I do that, um, I just want you to think about the difference as we read. Think about the difference between Zacchaeus and then this man. Mark 10, 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. See, while the story of Zacchaeus should give us great hope, I find this account of the rich young ruler here in Mark 10, and it's also in Luke 16. I find this, this account disturbing because I see from Scripture that it's possible for the grip of money and wealth to keep someone who's this close, someone who's this close and pursuing Jesus someone who I think really wants to follow him, that he is kept from surrendering his life to the Lord. And he remains outside the eternal blessing of the kingdom of God. And that's, that's scary. Because it says that the threat is real. The possibility is realistic that money and wealth or the pursuit of it can keep us from following Christ. 
Zacchaeus worshipped the counterfeit god of money, the almighty dollar, until he realized the worth of Jesus in his life. Then he traded in his false god for the real thing. And it wasn't hypothetical. Sure, I'm sure Zacchaeus had a lot of things to turn over to the Lord, a lot of things to repent of. He had a lot of sin in his life. But on this one, this love of money, he repented. And he promised to give half of his money to the poor and then to use the other half to make restitution to those he cheated. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Now, just to be clear, Zacchaeus did not earn his salvation here by doing this. This was not earning your salvation. He was saved by grace through faith, like we are. Okay, but his actions, his actions were a result of making Jesus Lord of his life. It reflected what he thought about Jesus. The rich young ruler also worshipped the counterfeit God of money. But despite seeing the worth of Jesus, he could not release his grip on it. He was a religious person. Remember, he kept all the commandments, but he kept all the commandments except the first and the most important one. What, what is that one? Yeah, it's that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. This is what Moses tells the word from God to the Israelites in Exodus 20, verse 3. So when Jesus said, sell all you have, he was saying, trade in your idol for the real thing. Follow me wholeheartedly, and you will have treasure in heaven. And I don't want us to miss this. Don't miss this. That Jesus is not calling this man to scarcity or to sadness. He's calling him to life, to abundance, to treasure in heaven. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So two men both approach Jesus, both want to see Jesus, and Jesus engages with them. Zacchaeus sees the worth, turns his life over to the Lord. The rich young ruler cannot do that. He cannot release his grip on money and wealth. Or maybe it's that money and wealth cannot, does not release its grip on him. 
So I ask here at the bottom of the, your handout uh, three questions about is money an idol? Is money an idol for you? Three questions. One, what does your checkbook say? That means how do you spend the money that you have? In our Christian faith, it may be easy to fool others about our commitment to prayer or our commitment to reading God's Word, but our checkbook or our debit card or our credit card statements, they speak volumes. Where our money goes is where our heart is. Right? Scripture just told us that. As believers, then, this is an area where we need to surrender this to the Lord, to pray about it. And the Bible gives plenty of instruction on money and on stewardship. So where, what does your checkbook say? The second, second question, what do your emotions tell you? Money plays such a huge role in our lives today that we can develop serious emotional attachments to it. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Corey talked about deep idols and surface idols. Deep idols are things like power, approval, comfort, and control. And these things, these deep idols, they manifest themselves in surface idols. And surface idols are money, sex, career, family, success, things like that. So you get, you get the picture, right? There's these deep idols that underlie our heart's desire, and then it manifests themselves in these surface idols. And the connection between these things are pretty complex when you, when you think about it. But the question is, do you let money and financial issues drive your emotional health and your emotional well-being more than God? So the last question here, where do you find your identity? For Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler, money and wealth form their identity. This is who they were. Because they had made it an idol, their self-worth was based on what they had, not what God had created them to be. And Zacchaeus, he eventually found his identity in Christ. But the rich young ruler, as far as we can tell, he never did. So what effect does money and wealth have on your identity? How you see yourself? How you feel about yourself? See, these questions, they, they just scratch the surface, right? But they're questions to help us diagnose and to see whether money can be an idol in our lives. The Son of God, the Son of Man, is on a mission. We saw that in Luke 19.10. He came to seek and to save the lost. And he reaches out to us in our lost state and in our struggle with 
false gods. Zacchaeus was found because he recognized the love of God and the worth of Jesus for which there is no comparison, there is no substitute, there is no replacement. Do you see the worth of Jesus? Do you see how much better, how much greater, how much more satisfying he is than anything else in this, in this world? I just close with this, this last verse, Psalm 73, 25. And my prayer is that we would take this to heart. Psalm 73, 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to be as honest as we can, Lord, and just uh, open ourselves up to you, Father. And um, we pray, Lord, that um, you would help us with our struggles, Lord, struggles with counterfeit gods, with false idols, Um, struggle especially, Lord, today if we struggle with um, money and possessions and the pursuit of it or the anxiety of not having it. Um, Lord, whatever it is, Father, we pray that you would see that, you would touch us, you would um, help to change us like you changed Zacchaeus' heart for these things. Um, Help us to make you, Lord, um, uh, most important in our lives and to find our joy and our identity and our satisfaction in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the ways that you intercede for us and the ways that you promise to be with us and never leave us. And we ask, Lord, that we would walk with you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.